What if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. Problem-based marketing is um, usually pain-based and it's urgent-based, whereas opportunity-based marketing is typically your life could look like feel like and uh, resemble this. When you have heavy pain-based opportunity, you're usually selling to prospects who are desperate. When you have opportunity-based marketing as a whole, I'm talking about feel right now, you tend to create raving fans, not prospects. And so they're in your world because when they're around you, they feel like their life could be something bigger and better than it is. That's That's what I want people to feel when they are around my materials. Does that make sense? The second is timing. So this is something I think is pretty important, especially when we're in um, times of uncertainty. When, so there's no such thing as a, uh, a, a good market in a bad market. There's really no such thing. There is a certain or an appearance of certainty and then an uncertain or appearance of uncertainty. So here's where we're at right now is, the world is less certain and therefore we have bear market. Make sense? When the world becomes more certain or they become, they're under the illusion that there's more certainty, we have a bull market. Both markets offer advantages that you can sell inside of. Okay? So you have to, first of all, let people understand that this is the problem that you're willing to help them solve. And then if they have that problem, your job shifts. Catch this real fast. We're going to shift the way. If they are still reading, we want to make sure that they understand that now is the right time to solve the problem. When? Right now. Right now. now. If they feel like they have the problem, that's great news because now is the best time to solve the problem. You know what the worst time to solve the problem is? Tomorrow, later, any other time, right now. So we want to use timing to our benefit. And so here will be an example of this. If, um, well, somebody who, tell me, your, tell me your industry and what you want to sell real fast. I know most of you, but I'm going to pick in three, two, one. Who was it? I can't see you, sorry. Martial arts. So is it growing martial arts schools? Pretty much. Okay. So um, in times of economic uncertainty, I'm trying to look at you in that light, it's just like an angel of God. It's like, is that an archangel? In times of economic uncertainty, People cut the peripherals. And so the wife will keep the hair appointments and the kids will keep their tuition, but the extracurriculars are going to be cut. This is good news and bad news. 
The bad news is we're about to get even more uncertain and the cuts are going to go even deeper. The good news is, all right, see how we just use timing? Make sense? Let's talk about believability. Can we? Can we move on? Believability, there's two types of believability. The first is, is it possible? The second is, is it possible for them? This is where copywriters tend to miss it. A, uh, a, a, an amateur copywriter will just go claim heavy and they will try to overwhelm the audience with proof that the product works. A mature copywriter will overwhelm the market with proof that they can do it. That is a very different type of believability. Make sense? An amateur copywriter will try to overwhelm the market with proof that the product works or that this works or that or whatever. But a, a mature, lethal type of writer will overwhelm the market with proof that they personally can do it. So once you believe, that, once you believe in math, it's pretty easy to just like count and stuff. But you have to then convince the person that they are actually capable of doing what the math suggests. So I see a lot of people uh, who try to hack this. Just a small, simple, like soft distinction is in this, and I'm a feel guy, okay? So like I, I am like all philosophy. Everything for me flows from like, what do I believe about the world? And all the tactics come from that. So it's very different. Uh, and, and I will just throw this out there. I am just like you, false. It's not what you want. I was just like you, that's what you want. So you want the feeling that someone gets if you're, if you're selling from a position or a personality, you want the feeling that someone has uh, after the end of the letter or at the end of the VSL or into the page is that this person was just like me and now they are not and here is how, okay? Make sense? You can substitute that if you're like super B2B by these businesses were just like you. Believability. Any questions on this? Would you, would you say that one of the best ways to do this is to, to figure out one of the biggest FAQs or main objections and then handle them preemptively in our demonstration? It's basically to say, you know, in my example, it's like, well, I don't know how to do consults, or I don't know how to do uh, educational material formation. So I don't know how to do marketing. I've never done it before. These types of things. So it's basically showing them examples of people who got the end result with those constraints or circumstances. Yeah, but baked into a story. Okay, got it. Yeah, baked into the story. Because when we get to this value piece, we want them to be reading and learning something from it. We don't want them to read it and feel like they're being convinced of something. So it would, it would be similar to, like, let's say that you know that your market does not believe that they can do something because they don't know how. Well, Dr. Susie, same exact situation. And let me tell you how she fixed her situation. And then you give them actual points. So they feel like they're really learning, and they are. They don't feel like you're trying to overcome a belief. Make sense? Yep. Did you have a question? Yeah. Oops. Do you prefer first person, I was like this, or third party of 
So right now, I think it depends on the brands. Right now, we're pretty first person uh, because I'm pretty tied into the brands. But there will, become, there will be a day when it's not Taylor Welch's wealthy consultant. It's the wealthy consultant and Taylor gets to sometimes get a mic on stage and talk. So from that point, it will substitute to uh, either a third person or it'll be someone else who's coming from first person. I think it depends on what you want. If you're more corporate, then first person is gonna be a little bit different. If you're not corporate and you don't have the, the market that's pretty bureaucratic, if you're going to consumers or straight to the market, first person works pretty well, even if it's not you. Yeah. And any, by the way, for you, if you have any thoughts to add, you can add them as well. The way I focus is like what I was telling you during that break is like we're not focused on just pitching the shit out of the list. We're focused on building like a really awesome relationship. How much do you charge? Five K a month. I mean, you should get some clients from the room. Yeah, uh, so but, like, you want me to sell it for you? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the question I want to ask is I, I Sorry. this a lot with, okay. the, with uh, like these Hermosy claims. Everyone's like, I'll get you 15 clients who you don't pay, or I'll get you this many booked appointments who you don't pay. And I don't really know how to tell people that it's like, look, like, I don't know how many clients you're getting because I don't know the health of your list. You may have just been abusing the shit out of this list for the past like six months and everybody's just dead on that list basically. Also, like, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a long-term game. Like someone that's going to sign up for a month or two months or three months or something like that isn't a good fit. I need someone that's thinking like, kind of almost like what Ramosi was saying with content. I'm thinking in three years. That's what they're thinking. And it's like, that's not super attractive on the ads though, because I'm looking at what if my that was your BSL, I would have bought right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I would say you should just tackle that head on. Just say it straight up. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the number one thing I've seen everyone doing that. I, I mean, you guys tell me, is it like you're kind of sick of those claims and guarantees? All right, cool. Let's get feedback. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you should just tackle it head on. A good rule of thumb is if you can see the majority of people doing it and you do the exact opposite, you're probably gonna be safe. So that's, that's for quite a lot of people, actually. Any other questions we wanna tackle before we keep going? Relevancy, problem and timing, believable. Believability is problem, uh, possible for the, the, the claim and possible for them. And then uniqueness. This is something that's pretty cool. If we were to break it down, let me give you a couple of numbers. Number one, newer. You guys remember what Blake was saying, that the new thing is oftentimes more compelling? I think that this is actually Gary Halbert's. Do you remember if this was Gary Halbert who said the most powerful uh, promo is the brand new thing or the updated thing? I think it was Halbert who said this. People like freak out about new stuff all the time. And so you can have a new car that's a like a, a worse car and people will still pick it over a better car that's not as new. Number two is faster. I'm covering the whole landscape. I'm not just covering marketing services. Is the product faster? Does it work faster? So can you make something happen quicker than your competitors? And if you can, you can 
capture the advantage there. Number three, better. Better. This is better quality, better experience. Just better. Got that? Okay. Number four is cheaper. There is such a thing as undercutting the market, and I do it all the time. All the time. I love that there are people in the business world today that think you have to be the most expensive because they give you a very easy vulnerability. Just be cheaper. Preferably the cheapest that you can possibly tolerate. This is true with products. It's not necessarily true with services unless you have some sort of technology or systems. But how many of you have tried something just because it's cheaper? Seriously. All the time. Yeah. Have you guys heard of this site called Amazon.com? Can you spell that? That was Bezos' this whole thing. Is how do we get this thing so cheap that people forget they're subscribed and it turned into Amazon Prime? When you're subscribed to Amazon Prime, you don't buy from Barnes & Noble. You don't even go to the store anymore. You're subscribed to Prime. I'm already sending them money. Might as well go to Prime. Notice this is a relationship tool. If you can get in the door and you can do it cheaply, people already have a relationship. It's the race to relationship. So it's a good thing for us to try to make our products cheaper if it's strategic. Number five, safer. How would I translate safer to the services world? Is it more predictability? Better guarantees if you need them? Is it safer? People think of safer and they're like, well, I'm not selling cars, so I can't use this. False. You can make your experience safer for the user, less risk. And number six, custom. What does this mean? Tailored, bespoke, stunning. stunning. <laughs> Have you ever been um, comparing different products or businesses and went with one because they had had people that they had served that were like just like you? Well, you're probably. <laughs> What you're probably buying is somebody like me who is showing you something that seems custom, or if it's one-on-one, -on -one, or if it's some type of service, like Ed, you do this, you're customizing what you're selling, you do this, you're customizing what you're selling to the exact goals of the, the end user. I was at an event last week in Scottsdale, and I was speaking, um, and we were just at a dinner the, like the night before, and one of the people there is training their sales team on something. And he was like, yeah, I started telling my salespeople to ask at the beginning of the call, uh, if you bought this product, what would a perfect experience look like and feel like? At the beginning of the call. And then they wrote that down. And at the end of the call, 
And I was like, crazy, right? So you can do this in a way that is ethical because a lot of our products and programs and tracks, right? Like they have so many different components in them. Like if I was on a sales call with Todd and he just unleashed his brain, I would die. I would just fall over. The, last time I gave a one answer. the first, the one time you've ever given a one sentence answer was when you were needing me to know the context. <laughs> but a lot of you got to understand, like if you were to unleash the torrential downpour of your entire experience, you're just shoving people away. They cannot handle it. So you need to understand what, what the user is asking for and you can customize it as a competitive advantage. If you do this enough time, times, you can do this on sales pages. So have you ever heard of uh, Ryan Levesque? The dude invented one of the coolest things. I don't know if he invented it, he perfected it for sure, called the survey funnel or the quiz funnel. And the reason that it works is because it's customizing the message to the problem, the pain points, and everything that the user wants.